0: Following is a presentation of the Eastern Michigan Sports Network. Hands the feet. He's to the ten. The five. Touchdown! Oh, and oh what a touchdown! Evans up the middle to the five into the end zone. Touchdown, Eastern Michigan. Straight from the 734. It's the Blue Cross Blue Shield Eastern Insider Podcast, presented by The Folling Warehouse. Your weekly chance to get in on the action. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all Greg Steiner and Tom Helmer.
1: <sighs> That's all that needs to be said. We're through homecoming week. Yeah. It was a blur. It was a great week, but I'm exhausted. As well you should be because there was a lot more going
2: on than just homecoming football as they put in everybody into the ring of honor for basketball. Oh, it was basketball. a great ceremony. It was great
1: yeah. to have all those guys back.
2: Well, yeah, Boykins and Gervin and, and all these folks that were back. It was an unbelievable collection of basketball. What struck me, and it, it might have been Reggie, our videographer, said it to me, he goes, you know, Greg's been here for almost everybody that's getting inducted. Not Gervin, but a, driven, a, a but,
1: lot of that group. Yeah,
2: you've been here.
1: I didn't get to see Dial or Boykins. I did spend a lot of time with Derek. Uh, he came by Friday night, and we spent uh, probably half hour together just for the upcoming podcast interview that we'll we'll hear. But oh, it was so great to have those guys back, and a lot of them looked like they could still play yeah. too. Yeah, you were so you were
2: just after Boykins. I was said. just
1: at ninety nine was my first year, so I missed and like they always they keep joking about the. the The Convo Gervin Center was the house that Earl built. Well, I just kind of joked, well, it was built for me because I showed up and it was (laughs) just here, right? Probably not the same. I didn't have anything to do with fundraising, but like uh, I probably should have spent more time in it than anybody else over time, right?
2: Absolutely. I (laughs) I think (laughs) we're out of things that can be done for Gervin, too. Yeah, he's in the ring of honor, named the arena, the statue's out front. That's it, George. I'm just hoping for a doormat (laughs) somewhere that just says Greg was here. Greg Greg Steiner welcomes you to the George Girvin Game of Bucks. But it was a
1: great event. And then the green and white scrimmage afterwards. I know we're going to talk plenty of basketball coming up. But uh, the guys we got to meet last week, there's some energy and some intensity. And when you have leadership at the top, I think that's going to mean a lot of things on the men's basketball side this year, too. Here's the interesting thing.
2: And I talk to every single player on the basketball team this week on the men's side. One, it's a more cohesive team than it was a year ago. You can have as much talent as you want, but if the five on the court don't play well together, then it's going to be problematic. And it was really one of the worst defenses in the nation last year. They're more cohesive. Also, the Imani effect. Obviously, Imani's gone. He plays for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But everybody that's returning took a piece of something he did in the way – He carried himself professionally, his work ethic. In fact, when I talked to Stan Heath this week, I said, boy, a lot of your players, there's this Amani effect of where they're like, all right, he got to the NBA. I saw him do A, B, or C. I need to add that to my daily ritual or the way I play or the way things change to become a better basketball player. And Stan Heath said, when the Cleveland Cavaliers looked at Amani, the first thing they said is, this guy's got unbelievable work ethic. I know some people get caught up, well, he had a game here, he only had three points, or this didn't work out, or but he played hard on both ends of the floor, and a lot of players saw that and said, all right, if I wanna play at another level, I've gotta do that here at Eastern Michigan.
1: I think there's a lot of room that they can improve on. We also know the rest of the league lost a lot of pieces. Toledo doesn't have the same people back. Akron, Kent, all the same. Uh, if, So, again, it's a wide-open race. This was a team picked seventh last year, and I think they could probably be picked right about that same spot.
2: And that's the thing with the mac You never know how it's going to be from year. You could take all the names, put them in a hat, shake it up, reach in with the transfer portal, guys coming, guys going, injuries. It's a free-for-all in the MAC. The interesting thing is, too, when you talk to guys that have at least been through it for at least a season, they're like, I didn't know that this conference hits you in the mouth as hard as it does every time you go out on the court it's a big learning yep. lesson so for the returners they're like okay you get some guys to transfer georgia tech Other. they're like all right we'll 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 figure it out but i feel like i'm gonna do well here It's like all right well
1: let's let's talk yeah. again in march yeah let's reevaluate <laughs> that uh so basketball coming up plenty of that we also in this episode we've jammed so much into this episode we, we could Couldn't find any more because we we have uh, Stephanie Jennings of the women's golf team. Last week they hosted the Shirley Spork Invitational. Uh, Great time at Eagle Crest. Great venue. Uh, You couldn't pick a better, more scenic spot in all of Washtenaw County than overlooking the lake right there. So plenty of of talk of her. Anna Watson ties the school record for 54 holes, flirts with the 18 hole record. So we'll get Stephanie's thoughts. That game above uh, golf facilities coming online in about a month. What? So more golf there than, than we can ever talk about on the Eastern Sider. Plus, you get Sarah Tisdale, and she did something else by taking her team to Traverse City. Yeah, they went, up, they went up north,
2: and the Sleeping Bear Dunes. First, they did this kind of Goodwill tour, lacrosse-wise. But we'll talk about the dunes up there. And one thing she did not allow her team to do that I think a lot of people want to try but it's an actually an interesting story.
1: Yeah, I've seen the video of people going down it, but yeah, they, there's a big sign that says, if you go down, the only way back up is a helicopter if you can't Would get Would you try there. it? Uh, have you
2: tried it? Have you gone? You haven't gone probably north of Lansing, have you? In your like 25 years here. I have not What's been. What's the furthest north you've been in Michigan? Claire. No Mackinac Island? No. No UP? No. No Traverse City? No.
1: Why? Because uh, you like to
2: go south. When like you get free south. time... You go, you go down to I'm the sunshine. I'm still a
1: Buckeye at heart, and the, the thing about Ohio is you don't come north, and I'm still here, I guess.
2: You've lived in Michigan longer than you lived in Ohio, I correct?
1: Have. Yeah, but it's just the way you're wired. I, I mean, you, I get you it. You say you're a Michigander, even though you spent probably most of your life outside the state.
2: True. Um, and it's funny, when right before we kind of left Colorado to come back here in 2019, someone was talking about driving through the mountains all the way west across the state, and I thought, yeah, I guess I haven't really, let's take a yeah. tour here. Yeah, and it's like, well, there's some amazing stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean. You're right. I probably know and see more of South Carolina and all that than I've seen. In you got to at least go uh, to Mackinac Island. Uh The Rubik's have, have tried. We we're trying to get there. Just, it hasn't happened yet. But, so, yes, a great story with Sarah Tisdale and going up north. But, no, I have not tried it. I need to. I've seen the video and I don't think I could do it.
2: Yeah, I, 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 it would be a challenge. I, I don't know if I, because I think it's three grand if you don't make it back up the hill. You yeah. got to pay the fine. I guess say, have you tried it. No, I've never been there.
3: Oh,
1: okay. See,
2: so there have been. I've been to Traverse City. I've been to, I've been uh, as far north as Marquette. Ooh. So I've gotten up there. That's so when I went to Northern Michigan, and then I, oh, yeah, I that's left. Right. the
1: next right. Yeah, day. that's right. You were up there for that short, uh, <laughs> uh, brief. This moment. school is not for me. I'm leaving. You, when they told you how much it snowed, you were like, "Oh, I'm good." They, they did.
2: Here's how they told me: Do you have a tennis ball? This is, this is 19 like 88. Do you have a tennis ball? Why? You need to put it on the antenna of your car so you know which one to dig out.
1: Well, now they don't have antennas on cars, so people I don't know listening what you to the did. podcast yeah. probably are like, "What's an antenna?" What's an,
2: I think people know what an antenna is, no? I, I don't know what you'd put it on now. How would you dig out the right car? Yeah. How would you, if you're gonna get so much snow, you can't you you can't find your car, how would you mark it? I'd stick in one of those big bicycle flags or something, maybe near the car, try to get it. I'd find a garage. Or do what I did, find
1: Arizona. <laughs> I like that style. <laughs> Nothing like, to shovel there. Uh, we are not shoveling sunshine for a while. It wasn't the best homecoming weekend in terms of weather. But uh, it was a great weekend for a lot of different reasons. The result on the football field, people in the stands, parking lot. Uh, but the only thing that matters is Eastern's 3-3 three and three and a chance to pick up their fourth win, an inch ever closer to bowl eligibility this week.
2: Yeah, and it's one of those things I think fans will look at the record, like, ah, Kent State, 1-5. Like, you rolled against Ball State. Shouldn't be a problem this week. Turn your attention to NIU. You can't do that in the max just what we talked about in basketball. Same thing on the football side. If the defense has got to do what they've done all season, really stifle teams out of the gate and give the offense a chance to get chugging along, they're one of the best defenses in the first quarter in the nation. Uh, so you got to continue that. And I just love the way Austin Smith has been, I don't want to say more risky with the football. He's been more confident with it and able to put it in tighter spaces when he's throwing the football and moving the team down the field. So they keep doing what they've done the last two weeks, even though they lost to Central in the opener. Yep. I think they'll be in good
1: shape against Kent State. What do Iowa, Utah, and Eastern Michigan have in common?
2: Iowa, Utah, and Eastern Michigan have in common. Um, is it on the defensive side of the ball? No. It's on the offensive side of the ball?
1: Um, haven't scored in the fourth quarter in the last three weeks. They're the only three teams in the FBS to average less than 300 yards of total offense and have a winning or 500 or better. Really,
0: record.
1: Utah's a good football team. Who's the other one? Iowa's five and one. Utah four not, and one. I was not. I was.
2: That's the best story in college football. Can they average 25 points a right. game for the for the OC to keep his job?
1: So uh, again small and mighty but all that matters is you're putting them up when it matters and your defense can rock somebody
2: yeah and the defense has made a huge difference good field I mean part of that too is you get really good starting field position too with the way the defense has played uh, and Tomasek flipping the field all right that's an interesting stat
1: yeah so it's a good step for yeah it.
2: yeah Utah Iowa and us and us okay We've had a, it isn't like we've never gotten over 300 yards. We've done it a couple times. Correct. Just averaging.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we're only one of two schools in the country not to have hit 400 yards total offense in the game this year.
2: Yeah, I don't know if that's in our our quiver this year or not. I don't know if we're, we're The not, other the other not company, built for shootouts. Yeah,
1: the other company uh in the that one is uh Nevada and their record is not so good.
2: And you're the the all-knowing person here. Yeah. When's the last time a D. Lyman had an interception like Tim Grant Randall?
1: It was uh, Grant Truman last year against CMU. Oh, I'm trying to recall it. It would have been here at the end of the season. Okay. Yep. He I had don't that, recall the play. He had that three sack game yeah. on the final day of the year and then had the pick and oh, we forget how good Grant Truman was because he was overshadowed by Jose Ramirez.
2: Yeah, the guy was out there just annihilating people. Terran Rosh. there's been a lot oh, yeah. of great guys up front that have come through here.
1: EMU has not had an interior defensive lineman earn all Mac honors in Chris Creighton's tenure. I think this year there's a possibility, look at the way Tim Grant Randall's playing, yeah. uh, the way Peyton Price is playing, yeah. they got a chance. Absolutely. Absolutely. This
2: defense should be getting a lot of accolades at the end of the season. They have played great football.
1: They they have been playing great football. Uh, before we get to the interviews. Your thoughts on what it needs for Eastern this week to pull off a win. I said
2: it just a couple of minutes ago. One of it is defense has got to continue to do what they're doing. And I give them all the accolades because even at Jacksonville State, when things never got started for the offense, I kept waiting for the throw in the towel moment where it's just like, whatever, drive down the, like, yeah. if we can't score, I don't know why we're trying so hard to stop you. They never wavered in that. So love what the defense is doing offensively, I like how they've driven in the first drive of the game the last couple games. And part of it's getting Austin Smith started, some short routes, some swing passes. I like the way they've used the, as Rob Rubick calls it, thunder and lightning Mm -hmm. of Samson Evans and Jalen Jackson. So I don't think anything needs to be fixed. You just need to stick to it and perfect it a little bit. But I like how much J.B. Mitchell has contributed to the offense over the last couple weeks. I like that Tanner Canoe's healthy. I liked it. Andreas Poska is back. He makes a huge difference. Whether he touches the ball or not, the fact that he's lined up at that tight end position makes a very big difference. So
1: I like where we're at. I like the bringing back the stack em approach. It well worked well last year to get to that big nine win. You just took moment after moment and stacked them, and they've taken it upon themselves this year to to really bring that back.
2: Absolutely. You just got it. Let's I'm all in on the Creighton philosophy. Let's worry about this week. You're home. Noon kickoff, Kent State, get it, you're four and three. I also like two that Central Michigan lost last week. That helps already. And their last two games are Ohio and Toledo. So that'll take care of itself. So you're in a good spot. You just keep chipping away every week. And let's see where the cards fall at the end of the season.
1: Eastern Michigan puts the nation's 22nd longest winning streak on the line at home this weekend against Kent State. Tom, we've stacked this show we need to get to the interview. It's fully stacked, so let's get to it. Let's get to it, right after this. Sarah Tisdale, Stephanie Jennings, and Coach Creighton, all here on the Eastern Insider, presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield and The fulling Warehouse.
3: Are you ready? Ready to find the right care that works for you? Care that connects you to what you need, anytime, anywhere, and fits best with your lifestyle. Whether it's in person or in your pajamas, online or over the phone, blue cross blue shield of michigan connects you to the care you need when you need it most with the largest network of doctors and hospitals an easy to use mobile app and a 24-hour nurse line because we're always ready to help learn more about blue cross blue shield of michigan at bcbsm.com
0: it's here bowling warehouse and sports will never be the same bowling combines the best of bowling and football but you don't have to be good at either to have a great time at the Folling Warehouse. Ipsy Ann Arbor's newest place to play is now open. 20 lanes, 2 bars, over 100 beers. The Folling Warehouse at the corner of Washtenaw Golf Golfside in Ypsilanti, where everyone comes to play. There's only one place in the state of Michigan that takes you straight inside the locker room, and that's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Your chance to get in on the action, bringing you more coverage than any other program in the mitten
2: joining us now, Sarah Tisdale, lacrosse coach at Eastern Michigan. And Sarah, the first thing I thought of when I, when I knew I was going to talk to you is it's got to be difficult to come into a university that never had lacrosse before and get the whole ball of wax started.
4: Yeah, it definitely is. But, you know, I think uh, the culture that we're building here really has allowed us to kind of feel like we've been here for a long time, maybe, you know, even longer than our, our very short two years. But uh, it's an exciting challenge to bring people, you know, along as you get to him to know the sport of lacrosse and the amazing young women that play that sport.
2: The interesting thing about lacrosse is, too, the men's game and the women's game are two completely different sports. I mean, the men's are playing with helmet and shoulder pads and more hitting. The women's game can be just as physical. They just don't get the equipment, really. <laughs> you get a pair of goggles and a stick, and and you wish for the best, right?
4: No doubt, yeah. And that's the you know it's more different than like men's women's ice hockey. More different than softball and baseball. You know, the they are almost two different sports. We have different field markings. You know, they cannot be played with the same equipment like you're suggesting. And so, even if folks have some familiarity with the men's game the women's game is very different to them and they show up like you said there's no helmets on our young women uh you know there's very minimal padding uh doesn't mean there's any sort of less of of bloodshed or you know bruises Uh, we have a player coming out of this weekend that has quite the shiner um coming out but uh yeah it's an exciting game you know i think some people might say that women's basketball has a little bit more of a flow and finesse and maybe not the big plays like the slam dunks and things like that, you know. And so I kind of uh, equivalent women's lacrosse and men's lacrosse to women's basketball and men's basketball. As, you know, some people just love women's basketball for that reason because you do get those finesse plays. You do get a little bit more teamwork and a little bit more working together to create some of the opportunities to score. And I think that's what makes women's lacrosse a really great sport.
2: It's funny because lacrosse isn't really played fully all the way across the nation. By that, I mean there are pockets of it. Like Denver is a strong pocket for Mm -hmm. lacrosse now. The East Coast is very strong for lacrosse. Where does Michigan and the Midwest fit in as far as recruiting and looking for talent and how much it's played in this region?
4: Yeah, so I am a product of the state of Michigan. So my high school had it. I'm from the Lansing area. uh, But then we're talking 20 years ago, right? And I just happened to have a teacher that played lacrosse when he was in college, right? So, like, I was fortunate. We were only one of 32 programs in the state back in 2000. And so now you see this boom where there's hundreds of programs now. And fortunately, those grassroots programs that have started youth programs to produce players that have been playing for a long time, which is the key to obviously being ready to play at the Division I level. And so we're we're there as a state. We're turning out Division I lacrosse players. Uh, But it's recently, I would say, in the last five to seven years where that's been a consistent effort, not just the one-offs. And so as a state and as a region, we're finally arriving in that point where you are producing high-level talent because programs have existed for that 15, 20-year mark. But it's been the work of of really great people and you know I've been a it's been a point of pride for me to be a part of that growth and development across the Midwest.
2: You're really an ambassador for the sport. If you will talk recently, you went up north and talk about the trip you took up there and and playing lacrosse.
4: You know, an incredible opportunity. So I was recently at a wedding of a player of mine from uh, several years ago. And what we were talking about at that wedding was all those moments, right? The traveling opportunities, the, you know, the sleeping on the airport floor when your flight gets canceled, those kind of moments. That's what we're talking about at that wedding, right? With all of this person's former teammates. And it really made me think and reflect about what our role is here. Not only if we competing for championships, but exposing our players to really unique and amazing opportunities along the way. So on our roster, we have less than a handful of players from the state of Michigan. And so for me, I love this state and I love everything that's about it, especially once you get you know, north of Gaylord and you get into you know, the up, up north parts of the state. And so for us to expose our players to up north Michigan and Traverse City in particular, that's where we were, what is a cool opportunity for us just to share those moments together and and then go out and compete together as a program. So we were at Traverse City. We went to Sleeping Bear Dunes. Uh, for any of uh, anybody that's listening, you know what it's like to get to Sleeping Bear Dunes, and you get to that first bluff, and you think that you've made it to the top, and you realize you still have such a long stretch to go before you even get to see Lake Michigan. And so very humbling for a lot of our players. Uh, they absolutely loved it and just being uh, able to walk around Traverse City, see Lake Michigan. We watched the sunrise together as a team. You know, just some of those really cool moments that I think are instrumental in building a culture that other players want to be a part of in the future. Uh, and then also to expose uh, the residents of Traverse City and, and up North Michigan to this game. You know, and it, it garnered a lot of attention. Uh, we were able to hop on several local news stations and in the paper and just really kind of talk about why this is important and what our role as a Division One program in the state is in growing our game.
2: I've seen the picture, too. I think it's the dunes where you can go down to the water. But they yeah. said if you can't get back up, there's a huge fine because a lot of people, easy going down to the water, but it's like a long way up. Did anybody try it?
4: Uh, we wouldn't allow it. No, I. Uh, <laughs> I. So growing up in the state of Michigan, this is probably my fourth or fifth trip to some Bear Dunes. And we made them uh, read the lore out loud so they knew what the, you know, the tale was along that. So they understood the meaning behind where they were. Um, and then there was the warnings for sure of bring your water up there. It was beautiful, 75 degrees and sunny, and that saw, the sand gets a little hot. And then you, we probably didn't get close enough for that. me even consider going down that backside. But I said, you, you're paying out of pocket if you have to get airlifted back up. And I said, <laughs> you all think that you are Division One athletes, but it's very humbling to see, like you said, looking down, you're like, oh, I can do that. And then the idea of coming back up that sand, uh, they learned very quickly how, how difficult it was to trudge through sand. So, <laughs> have you ever
2: tried it? Have you ever tried going down I've the not, water and coming no, back up? No, no, yeah. even
4: when I was younger, I did not, and uh, I, I've been out there. I've gotten all the way to that point where that decision would be made, and I, I know my limits. So,
2: As we continue to talk about you being a bastard, too, you guys have an interesting game coming up against Michigan. Tell us about that.
4: Yeah, Hannah Nielsen, the coach at the University of Michigan, um, also a great ambassador for our sport. And, you know, she's from Australia, and so she's been a part of Australia's development uh, and and women's lacrosse across the board. And so she's played for their national team for years. And so she has that same mindset that I do of, it's not our responsibility just to coach. It's our uh, responsibility to grow and expose young people to the game of lacrosse. And so we're going to play uh, our game um, against Michigan um, at the Tr- Detroit Martin Luther King High School this year. And uh, with the biggest barrier we feel to our sport and people learning about our sport is just the ability to see it. Uh, mm-hmm. We're not nationally televised enough. We're working on it. We're hoping to catch on like softball has over the years and really getting that national exposure on TV, but we're not there yet. And so we have to bring our game to our fans and to future fans of the game. And so. We know that the city of Detroit uh, turns out so many great athletes. And so we want lacrosse to be a part of their upbringing and putting sticks in young people's hands. And so we're excited about that game. It'll be in April uh, to play that game at Detroit Martin Luther King High School uh, and expose uh, you know, young people in the city of Detroit to our amazing game.
2: The nice thing, Sarah, with that sport, too, is the barrier of entry is, do you have a stick, maybe some goggles, and a ball? There's not a lot of equipment needed to play the sport. But as you said, a lot of people... Just need to see it for the first time. Like, oh, like for you, when was the first time you saw it or got into it? And you're like, yes, this is my sport.
4: Yeah, I so I often tell people that I think the women's lacrosse game is is combining the best parts of some of my favorite sports basketball from an offense and defensive zone perspective. You have middies that are playing both sides, right? Um, Ice hockey because of the flow of the ball, being able to see lanes, right? And then obviously people think of soccer, right? The number of people on the field is very similar. The positions are similar, right? So if you combine all three of those sports and maybe somebody's favorite parts of those sports, you get women's lacrosse. And so for me, when a stick was put in my hand, uh, it was really an incredible moment because I knew that I could draw upon my basketball knowledge and and really put it into the you know field of play in lacrosse. And so uh, for me, I was an attacker many years ago. I don't really do it much now. Um, but uh, I just really fell in love with the game because I was able to draw upon my experiences growing up in the Midwest and playing basketball and yeah. playing soccer.
2: It's funny. My daughter played all the way through high school. And the thing I found interesting is parents didn't yell at the officials <laughs> or the coach a lot because they didn't know what was going on. In fact, my daughter got called for dangerous propelling in a game. And I went up to the official after the game. I go, you called a pen. She goes, yeah, dangerous propelling. I go, yeah, I'm not questioning the call. I just don't know what it is. If you could tell me. And she explained, I go, all right. But for the most part, the parents are like, there were whistles and I'm like, I'm not going to argue that call because I'm not 100% sure what's going on here. But there's a lot of that.
4: You got it, yeah. And and uh, parents do a lot, of, a lot of clapping, a lot of cheering, you know, not a ton of coaching because they didn't grow up playing the sport, you said, right? So they're, they're short on opinions of what's going on right, on the right. field, which uh, is never a bad thing as a coach or as an official. Uh, but, you know, more and more people are getting exposed to the game and so I do expect that to change slightly. But you said it, like the, our rules are evolving because we are getting bigger, faster, and stronger as right. a sport. And so our rules are constantly changing um, for reasons to keep the game safe. And so we are able to play without helmets um, for the years to come.
2: But do you think it will get to, a do you want to see the women's game get closer to the men's? Would you like to see more contact, more of that physicality? Or do you like where that sport is right now?
4: I love where we're at right now. And I I, I will do everything in my power to uh, to keep it that way. Uh, I do not want us in helmets. Um, there's actually been studies shown that women's lacrosse you know, players in helmets increase the uh, um, the rate of concussion. And so for us, I I want to keep our game how it was. Uh, I think we're in a great place. Uh, I'm actually rolling on to a three-year term on the NCA rules committee, and so I find myself in an interesting position of being really fully invested in those rules. <laughs> Not a position I don't necessarily think I would raise my hand for, but I'm happy to serve. And uh, I want to keep our game safe, and I want to keep us out of helmets, and I want to keep our, our game fast and fun for the, the young women that are playing it.
2: Sarah Tisdale, thank you so much.
4: Yeah, Appreciate for the your time. Opportunity. Appreciate it.
1: This episode of the Eastern Insider Podcast is brought to you by National Trails Bus, Safety, Comfort, Reliability. Come ride with us, as well as Trinity Health. Trinity Health is the preferred healthcare provider of EMU athletics. Get top-tiered orthopedic and spine care to get you back in the game, as well as standard printing and design, the standard of excellence in design and print for small business.
0: Eastern fans, it's time for your weekly dose of all the goings on around EMU athletics in just 60 seconds.
1: Plenty of sports activities to get your whistle wet around Eastern Michigan athletics. On Monday and Tuesday, men's golf's in action at the Purdue Fall Invitational in West Lafayette, Indiana. Tennis there at the ITA Midwest Regional Beginning on Thursday, the 12th, volleyball also in action that day in DeKalb, a 6 p.m. Central start against the Huskies, and then women's soccer is in the Glass City to take on the Toledo Rockets. On Friday, swimming and diving's at Kentucky. They'll be down in Lexington. Volleyball, a rematch with the Huskies in DeKalb. they on Friday, as well as cross country. Two activities they will see, one team will be in College Station, Texas, the other in in Bowling Green, Ohio, and then on Saturday, it's women's rowing. They're at Michigan State. Lacrosse has their fall ball play. They're down in Louisville. It's also football against Kent State at 12 p.m. noon kick, and then on Sunday, we wrap up the week. Men's golf at the Georgetown Intercollegiate and soccer hosts Western Michigan. To find scores, schedules, or tickets, visit emueagles.com. Shirley Spork was quoted at once for saying the best thing about golf is you have 18 chances to be brave. We're joined by head coach Stephanie Jennings of the women's golf team. 18 chances to be brave. Your team over a course of 54 holes was certainly that this week at the Shirley Spork Invitational. How proud of you are of your finish? Are you of your team?
3: Well, with uh, a 292 and a 293 in uh, rounds two and three with this tournament, um, you know, those are some of the best scores we've had this season. And um, to, you know, see them keep fighting out there for every shot, for, you know, really honing in on their game and, and knowing the golf course that we know. And, you know, I said to them this morning, I'm like, let's just tear this golf course up like we've never teared it up before, and, you know, Anna definitely did that, and, you know, Riley wasn't too far behind, and I know Greeny had a great round, and, you know, everybody just kept trying to push through, you know, whatever was maybe struggling out there. They just kept fighting and, you know, made some great shots out.
1: You, you mentioned uh, some uh, great scores. Uh, 292, ninth lowest score in program history. It's the best since last year. You had a 291. It's also the fourth best two-day total 54-hole round since the team shot the school record eight eighty back in two fifteen, so uh, it's been almost uh, eight plus years since a team has gone this low. That's doing something for a group that's still a majority of now upperclassmen starting to get there after you've played so many underclassmen for a while.
3: Right? Yeah, it's it's really been a work in progress. I mean, ever since you know we came back from COVID and um, just to have Sophia's back, Paige's back, Riley and Gabriella, who, you know, coming in as freshmen, you know, really meshing well with the team and then to see Anna and Green um, and Alyssa who have been playing all through these last years, um, keep staying consistent with their games. It's It's nice to get this back, and I look forward to what we can do in the spring.
1: We've buried the lead for a little bit. Anna Watson able to go out and shoot the lowest 54-hole round in school history. Anna goes out and shoots 72-71 in a 68-5 under. This is something that we've known for a long time. She can do this, and it was putting all the pieces together on her home
3: course. It it was, and uh, side note, we switched out our clubs this week. Um, we noticed that the clubs she had been playing were probably a little too heavy for her, and we we brought her old clubs back because she had been playing the five iron for the last couple of tournaments and really hitting it well. And just made the exec- executive decision to put her old clubs back in. It just brought a new breath of life into her, more confidence, and uh, she did. She, she just went out there and did it and you know, her putting's amazing. She's a great putter. Obviously, she made so many birdies, almost won the Golden yeah. Duck Award. And uh, so, yeah, it was it was wonderful to just see her. And she just has such a great demeanor on the course. I think that's the thing is she never lets herself get flustered.
1: She's one of those kids you, you just kind of root for as nice as they can be. Her parents are always out here. Maybe a little divine intervention too. We've, <laughs> There's usually we've, some of that. We've yeah. seen some uh, those of the cloth come out yes. to support her. Uh, but you, you talk about your team and a, as a whole. I mean, this is a group that you, you add uh, Riley this year. And you get two players back. I mean, not everybody has that luxury of all of a sudden recruiting two people that are already on their roster to come back.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And talking to like BG, they're going to lose five people this year. Thankfully, I'm losing two. But just to have the core group back that I have that I kind of started with three years ago and to have that that core group and adding Riley and and Ella. And I just think um, there's some great things to come with this group of players. So. You've
1: had a solid start to the year already this fall. I know the fire after a, a bad taste in your mouth as the way the MAC championships closed last year. How much has that motivated this team to change and be different?
3: Yeah it's um, there was a lack of just team spirit and team camaraderie last year and um, for whatever reasons this year they're rooting each other on they're supporting each other they're You know, doing things outside of just our normal team stuff together, which I that's what you want in a team is that they kind of bond in a way that's more than golf. And uh, I just I see it when they're practicing. I see it when during the tournaments and they're cheering for each other out on the golf course. and, And that's really what's making this team better. Um, you know, every tournament we want to beat the other max schools that are there. I know we didn't beat BG and Western, um, however, we got, got a nod on Ohio, Akron, Central, so putting some more wins against them is even better for us.
1: As an alum of this program and somebody who this one means more to than just, it's not just a job to you, it's the place that you helped start, how much does that also add pressure to you to make this succeed?
3: It it does. You know, I I feel this is where I am and this is where I want to be. And every team except for Kent has a chance to win the Mac. And uh, we're all vying for that chance. And we're all, you know, wanting to build the teams that are going to give us that best chance. Um, You know, that that's my motivation every year. And and with what we have coming forward in the future with our facility, everybody raves about our golf course. You know, we, we have everything that we need here to really keep building this team and be a a true championship team.
1: Here with Stephanie Jennings, you talk about that new building coming next door, and uh, we are probably a little over a month and a half away from probably getting occupancy into that Game Above uh, Golf Performance Center. When you see the growth of it, the change of the landscape around here, and knowing that it's finally about to happen after seeing blueprints how does that change your just outlook every day coming and seeing that place grow
3: well when you got coaches coming to you and saying you just really made my job more difficult (laughs) (laughs) you you know you got something going right here um and it's it once we can get the exposure out there and and even even having all these teams here see it and realize, you know, what Eastern has to offer. Um, who knows? Who may transfer, right? Yeah, <laughs> or especially may in this transfer.
1: day of portal access, yep. anybody at any time could say, oh, "I like that place a little better."
3: Yeah, yeah. So. It's uh, it, it's going to be a game changer, no doubt.
1: For, for people that are unfamiliar with it, it will not only have simulators, but it will also give you the ability to train all year on a great putting surface that mm-hmm. is really more conducive than anything you've ever had before.
3: Oh yeah, it's uh, there's going to be an indoor green of different you know size, shapes, undulations, breaks, uh, slopes by MVScapes is the company who's doing it, and um, so. The players will have an opportunity to chip, pitch, bunker play, um, even hit full shots into that open area in addition to the simulators and and have all different types of, you know, just shot making is really what both Coach Cunningham and I wanted for our teams um, and allowing multiple players to be practicing uh, at the same time.
1: When you, you have the ability to also drive straight from your 18th green right into your own little garage door, that's going to be a nice little treat tr- as that's well, too right? Bad. <laughs> I mean, not everybody has that luxury. Just come
3: right in, yeah.
1: <laughs> you, you, you look at this uh, golf tournament and the Shirley Sport, we just wrapped up the sixth tournament edition of it and what it's grown into, more and more teams each year. What do you think Shirley would say about how this event has grown?
3: I think Shirley would just love that, you know, seeing all these young women, you know, how dedicated they are to golf and and the coaches themselves, you know, she, she was a coach, she was a teacher Um, and just seeing how we're all, you know, growing the game or or making the game better. uh, And, and through these young women who will hopefully go on. And, and, you know, one of my talks during the tournament was we all have a gift and our gift is golf. And if we can share that gift with many other people and help them learn the game and maybe they find some good out of it or it, it does something in their lives. That's that's I think what Shirley would love to see and, and see that we're getting more and more young women playing the sport.
1: Even though we lost her maybe just over a year ago, still in the hearts and minds of a lot of people, you've got a a duck on your water bottle, but uh, I know there was a nice thing on social media not too long ago about the Solheim Cup that they were even honoring her memory, weren't they?
3: Oh yeah, big duck stickers on the bottom of every uh, bag of the Solheim Cup, the USA team, the Solheim Cup in Shirley's memory, and uh, just them trying to remember her spirit and remember you know, her uh, cheering for the teams every year. At, she was always there at the Solheim Cup um, so, uh, Stacy Lewis, the captain, she always, she wanted to keep that memory alive with, with her ducks. Cause Shirley loved ducks. Shirley loved ducks. <laughs> well, we appreciate your
1: time. You get to go South from here after enjoying this tournament. And you'll stay in warm weather because you're off to the Bahamas to play in at Atlantis.
3: Yeah, White Sands Invitational. This I, is going mean, to be that's, amazing. That's
1: not a, a tournament that's easy to get into either.
3: No, I, I'm going to give a little bit of credit to my my counterpart at NIU, Kim Kester. She connected me. But yeah, some of these tournaments are very hard to get into. And uh, there's going to be a great uh, variety of teams there, anywhere from Kansas State to Troy to Delaware. I mean, so we're going to have a great group of competition at, at the Bahamas.
1: I know if people are out there and want to join you, they can go on to emuagles.com right now because there is a way that the Bahamas and Atlantis are giving away a trip. If you want to travel with the Eagles, you can go on and register right now. It's a trip valued at over five grand. There so go. go online right now. Get Sign your up. name in and come cheer us on. You can be in the beach <laughs> with the Eagles. Yes, Steph, appreciate your time. Congrats on the finish and, congrats, and best of luck the rest of this fall. All right, go Eagles. We continue on our podcast right after this quick message.
0: You're listening to the Blue Cross Blue Shield Eastern Insider Podcast presented by The Folling Warehouse, the only show that brings you all things Eastern all the time. Now let's get back to the action with Greg Steiner and Tom Helmer.
1: Eastern Michigan got a homecoming win last week over Ball State. They turned their attention to Kent State this week. Coach Creighton joins us. Always a great feeling to leave homecoming with a victory. More importantly, the way you're able to stifle the, the Ball State Cardinal at the end defensively. Getting that interception after you'd uh, eaten a lot of clock. It just a feel good performance all around, offensively, defensively, and even special team.
5: Yeah, it felt really good on Saturday, um, and you know, I've mentioned a couple times. Was really pleased with how we responded, you know, after Central Michigan, and that started, you know, back last Tuesday in our preparation, and the, the focus and the desire to get better. I mean, all of it was just really good. And then, so it felt good, you know, to play a three phase game, um, on homecoming, um, against an opponent that, you know, wanted to win that game badly as, as did we, and to come out, um, victorious. However, you know, watching, watching the film, you know, and, and getting ready to, to be with the team on, on Sunday, you know, there's, um, again, a lot that we need to to work on and, and improve
1: and get better at. But,
5: you know, part of being your best is figuring out how to win games, you know, on game day. And our guys did a good job with that.
1: Yeah. Finding ways to win. Uh, You look at it, you built that early lead 17 three at one point using uh, the running game and the, the passing game to get effective JB Mitchell first career touchdown pass for him. We've seen it kind of start to more and more him come into his own but last week seemingly it was his right time and getting both feet down for that score.
5: Yeah. I, um, when I saw it with my blind eye, I I, I thought that they were going to call him out of bounds, but when you go back and look at it, he had a foot down and was a great catch, great route. My, my favorite part about that is that, you know, he and Austin and the other quarterbacks, I mean, if it's not every day after practice and if it's, I don't know how many days out of the summer, but like, you know, that's the end that's, near to the building, right? And so that's the end zone in which they work, and obviously both sides, but it just seems like they are throwing fades into that end zone right there all the time. And uh, so it was pretty cool to see those guys connect on that.
1: Samson Evans gets the record all by himself now, Eastern Michigan's all-time leader in touchdowns at 32, passing Gary Patton, and I think it's uh, fitting he did it at home on homecoming Uh, We know the story of Samson, but he talks all the time about it's a team game to get into this, this point and have that record. Uh, Speaking of homecoming in that aspect, lots of familiar faces back, plenty of former players to celebrate. Did that only make it more special to have all those past guys around too?
5: No question. Yeah, no question. Got to see, you know, some the day before and, and then, uh, You know, some guys were around and helping with recruiting and all of that on, on uh, game day, and uh, it definitely gives uh, I think everybody juice.
1: They also had the warm welcome back of former EMU president Dr. Susan Martin. You had the ability to bring her out, honor her with uh, coach of the game, and leading the team out. What was that moment like?
5: Yeah, it was neat. You know, um, it really was. You know, having her um, and and Larry with the team on Friday and getting to let them know, you know, not only her accomplishments as president, but just how, you know, she had uh, supported our football program. And it was fun to get to share some stories with the team so they could get to know her some, and then to have her, you know, homecoming game and crowd and be out there and be a part of it. It was uh, was special.
1: I know one of the quotes that you had many years ago was you wanted to make this a point of pride for the university Eastern. Now four consecutive home games has the, 22nd longest active home win streak in the country. Long way to go to catch Georgia still. But playing well at home, how much do you feel this is now becoming a point of pride? Because last year, it was the opposite. Winning on the road came much easier than it did at home.
5: Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, um, we don't want to go too far down the right. road of saying, we, you know, last year we, we did not do well at home and did well on the road. And so, you know, we've got back-to-back. Home games um, for the first and only time um, this year, we have not strung you know two victories uh, together yet, um, and so you know that's uh, part of what we want to do is is stack um, victories, and so um, we are uh, definitely determined to do that.
1: It's a Kent State team that comes in uh, one and five, but they've played some really good MAC competition already to get them zero and two. But you look at the matchups very similar, both in terms of points per game, first downs, rushing yards per game, passing yards per game that you two match up at. Uh, this Kent State team, not what we've seen in the past in terms of flash fast, but they want to do it more of a hard, grinding, gritted out style.
5: Well, um, offensively, they're not as different um from last year, as you, as you might think. Okay. Their offensive coordinator um, was with them last year. And, you know, it's a, it's a new quarterback. It's really almost everybody in player-wise in terms of returning starters is new. Uh, but they are, they're not as fast as they were, but they still are, are uh, playing, uh, wanting to play fast and uh, to beat you with, with tempo. And so that is not as different as, as you might think. Defensively, um, they're very different. Very different uh, defensively, just a uh, different structure, different philosophically. Um, and so I think that would be more of the change than than offensively.
1: On your side of the football uh, youth program, you look at it, Coach Needham were a part of Kent State. Does that make it easier or tougher in a way because there's so much emotional connection on both sides? So,
5: yeah, Coach Needham was the defensive coordinator there um, with Coach Haynes and uh, spent a lot of time there and loved his time there. I think most of the people as that, you know, works, especially in the football program are, are different now and whatnot, and the players. But uh, – and then, yeah, um, Coach Bo Alexander, our defensive ends coach, um, is an alum and, um, and, a, and a proud alum as he should be. So I, I think it'll probably be uh, a little extra special, you know, getting to play uh, Kent State for both of those two.
1: And then let's take it away from football just for a minute. Look at – there's this national talk in a lot of ways of people – in calculating at the end of game situations, kind of knowing when to take a knee and when not. If you flip on Sports Talk Radio today, I'm sure everyone will be listening to it after what Miami went through over the weekend. But do you have like a book or something that tells you when you should follow to take knees versus handing off and how end of game situations like that? Yeah, yeah,
5: yes. Um, It's really become in vogue in the last few years, you know, they call it the book. And and it is, it's something that, you know, it's almost a service that you have a company that puts together um, uh, plans, huh? de- you know, depending on who you're playing and statistically how you match up and all of those things. Uh, but I mean, figuring out the clock uh, and when to take knees, you know, that that's been around you know, for, I don't know about forever, but for a a long time. Um, it's still not as easy always as, as you might think. Um, there's a quick knee, there's a delayed knee, right? Um, and obviously you've got either zero, one, two, or three timeouts remaining. Um, and so, yeah, you got to have the math figured out on that. Um, referring to I did see the, the Miami and Georgia tech deal. And um, you know, someone mentioned that it happened at Oregon as well, you know, with Stanford. And so it, it may be, um, I don't, I don't know coach Cristobal, And I think he was an offensive lineman. And, and one of our guys mentioned, you know, it might be just, you know, philosophically doesn't believe in right. taking knees, yeah. you know, just, you know, in terms of, you know, going backwards or anything like that. I mean, I have no idea. Um, you know why you know they did what yeah, they did
1: no just um, was curious and in, in your kind of how that all breaks down because i, I don't think there's probably a better play in football than, than the kneel down because you, you know you're walking off with a game ball we call it the
5: prettiest play in football
1: it is you yeah. always are when you're taking it is you're either going to the locker room for halftime yeah. or you're taking a win yeah. coach we appreciate your time this week best of luck against kent state uh, we know the Eagle Nation will be about out there at full force, early kick at noon, uh, which means an early Eagle walk to get everybody out for.
5: Yeah, oh, it'll be awesome. Be a great day, and we're excited. There's only
0: one podcast in Washtenaw County that takes you inside the athletic department every single week: the Eastern Insider Podcast. Your home for all things Eastern, all the time. This has been another edition of the Blue Cross Blue Shield Eastern Insider Podcast, powered by Learfield. Tune in every Monday for new episodes all year long. And don't forget to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or your home smart device for all of our episodes on demand.